0: Now presenting And I'm so sick of people saying that that love
1: is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. The Cinema Chicks Podcast Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream. Totally. I Snap out of it! Starring Hope Johansson I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman.
0: And Madeline Rancourt yeah, Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you
1: would. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. Hope, today's so exciting
0: because we are in person for our very first
1: recording and you're in New York. Yay! I am so excited. I can't believe we started this whole journey apart and now we finally get to be together talking about movies, going to see movies together. I think this is the content that the people want.
0: I know. After nearly like 23, what, like 22, 23 episodes being virtual, we are now in person and ready to do the real thing. So I'm so excited and I'm excited that we are starting off with this movie that I've been waiting for for forever. But before we get into that, what have you been watching recently?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I'm super excited Because I finally got around to watching In the Mood for Love. I feel like it's on every film bro's watch list. For sure. (laughs) And totally worth the hype. It was so fantastic, so beautiful. I want to make my own version of it now. It's so stunning in every way, shape, and form. So, yeah, the the hype is real on that one. I embarrassingly enough have not seen it, but I
0: definitely need to check it out very shortly because again, it's on like every movie list and it's something that I haven't watched, but the movie that I watched this week is also on a lot of movie lists. And unfortunately I was a little bit disappointed because I watched, eyes wide shut. And what, do you like, Do you like it? <laughs>
1: no, no I'm, I'm just interested to hear what you have to say about it.
0: Yeah, so I, I liked it, but I guess from the synopsis I was expecting something different. I think I was expecting more Nicole Kidman and there wasn't a lot of her like in the middle. She was at the beginning and I was like, okay, good, good, good. And then it was kind of just Tom Cruise and then it was like Nicole Kidman for a little minute and then it was Tom Cruise again and then Nicole Kidman at the end. And I just didn't get enough of her. I don't, I'm i not a fan of Tom Cruise and I'm a huge fan of Nicole Kidman. So watching that was a bit hard, but I guess it just wasn't what I expected. Maybe if I rewatched it, I would be more of a fan because I would know what I'm getting myself into and I'd probably appreciate it a little bit more, but it's like over two and a half hours. And I know that's like, you know, a lot of movies are that long. But this was just a little too long at some points in my taste. Yeah, I don't know. I just I wasn't a huge fan. I do understand why it gets hyped because it's Kubrick and it's, you know, New York and it's an amazing cast. And it's an interesting topic about like this couple's like affair and sex life. But overall, I just I I don't think it's the first thing I would go back to watching. I would just watch The Shining again if I wanted to watch Kubrick.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, they're two very different types of films, I think. And yeah. It is what it is and Nicole Kidman's just amazing no matter what, I will watch her in anything ever.
0: I also think the topic would be handled differently had it been a female director.
1: Yeah, or like made today.
0: Right, made today, oh my gosh, I mean, yeah, I think that was just something that like, okay, given it's the 90s, given it's a male director, you know, it, it it's not a bad movie. I don't mean to say that. But I would love to see it done from a female perspective. And like, see it as Nicole Kidman as the lead, not Tom Cruise. I guess I'm just sick of women supporting the male in every movie and like their only parts is them like having a monologue where they cry to their husband. Kind of sick of that. So I think uh, maybe this just wasn't the movie for me, but I watched it because it has been on my list for a while. I'm trying to watch all of Nicole Kidman's films. I know she's been in a million and a half. Some of them are amazing and some of them – are not. But I'm trying to get through them all. So that that was on my list for a while. So I'm glad that I watched it and it had just been added to HBO Max. So obviously, that's why I had to check it out. I was thrilled to see that they just added it. Yeah, unfortunately, I was a little bit disappointed. But that's okay. You win some you lose some and the film that we are discussing today, I've got to say I was an absolute huge fan of we are talking about a quiet place part two, which is
1: written and directed by the incredible John Krasinski. And it's starring the incomparable Emily Blunt, Noah Jupe, Millicent Simmons, who is just an absolute star, and Cillian Murphy.
0: Okay, let's hop into it. This movie, I was literally so, so excited, and it was supposed to come out, I want to say last year, but then with COVID, it got delayed for release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be released in New York City March 8th. But then it was postponed and was released this year. And it will be available on streaming for Paramount Plus for 45 days after its theatrical debut. So if you're listening to this soon after our release, it should still be on there. And you should definitely check it out. But if you can see it in theaters, I absolutely highly suggest that because it was quite the experience. And exciting news, it sounds like there will be a third coming out. I don't know when they're going to um kind of cut it off but i have no issue with that because i could just keep watching this whole world unravel and i'm so interested by it and this movie didn't even give us all the answers it gave us more answers than what we had in the first one but i still have questions which i think is a great place to leave off. I think that's maybe where some of the controversy on this film is coming from, is that it didn't necessarily wrap everything up in a pretty bow and leave us with all the answers. But I think that's okay because we might get some more in the third and I'm excited to see what happens there. But this film starts with more insight than what we had in the first film. I hope that if you're seeing the second film that you've seen the first. Had you not? I didn't see the first one. What?
1: Because oh, I'm screaming. I'm not a huge, like scary movie person, horror genre, which is ironic because I'm directing a horror play right now, but I think it's because I'm in control of it. Like it works for me. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't really see the appeal in watching the first one and there was no one I was around at the time, who wanted to watch it. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, love John, love Emily. I support them from afar, but, like, probably just not my cup of tea so when i heard that they're making a second one especially after like the controversy of john krasinski being like i i don't like sequels i'm not gonna make a sequel but uh, lol just kidding i'm gonna make a sequel now and the fact that you want to watch it and people are talking about it it's like okay i should probably hop on the bandwagon and i'm happy i did and i don't think it was too confusing either i i feel like it took me a longer to piece things together but it like it still worked you know
0: yeah absolutely I so I saw the first one when it came out I believe it came out in 2018 so it's been a minute and I haven't I watched it twice when it came out once in theaters and then once I watched it like on demand at home But I haven't seen it since then. And had I wished I revisited it before seeing the second, yes. But they do an amazing job at really, you didn't need to like really remember the first one. Like I was talking to my sister and she's going to see the second one. And I was like, maybe watch like a summary of the first one on like YouTube to like remind yourself because there are moments like, the flood that happens in the first one or you know john's character dying or also like um this there's a nail on the staircase that they have a shot of in this sequel and if you've seen the first one you're like oh my gosh that's right like because in the first one you will remember the nail going through but all of those moments were so memorable for me in the first that when they hinted towards it in the second it was like oh right 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 oh gotcha okay i do remember that so I think they did an amazing job bringing us back into this world because it had a delay due to COVID. It's been longer than, you know, they had anticipated for people to re-enter this world. And I think they did an amazing job. I mean, obviously that wasn't intended when they made this. They were expecting an earlier release, but they did a great job kind of recapping the audience or filling people in if they hadn't seen the first one. And this starts off, with seeing how this all started, which is something we didn't know in the first one. In the first one, we're just kind of dropped into this world and you kind of are starting to get the clues of how this world works, how these like sort of aliens have taken over Earth's population and we never understand how these creatures came to be. And we still don't in the in the sequel. But we get a little bit more of an understanding. So it starts a year before where it takes place now. So we go back a little bit and we see that the family's at a baseball game and all of a sudden this flaming object comes towards them and they see it in the sky and everyone kind of drives away. And this was extremely necessary because, first of all, this is the only time that we see John Krasinski in the film. We don't see him again after this little prequel moment, which I think was really nice and important because... If you're watching this movie, I mean, it's written and directed by John Krasinski. You're probably a fan of him. I mean, I don't know anyone who isn't. If you've seen The Office, you love him.
1: (laughs) Even if you haven't seen The Office, you probably love him. Yeah. I'm not a huge Office fan, but (gasps) John Krasinski... I mean, it's Parks and Rec for me. I'm sorry. If we're talking Office sitcoms, I'm a Parks and Rec person all the way. Okay, fair. But that doesn't mean I don't love John Krasinski a heck of a lot. He's... He's a good dude. I love him. And he's from Massachusetts. And, I mean, I'm
0: from Maine, so I'm not from Massachusetts. But, like, you know, same same energy. And I I just love him so much. And there's actually a podcast off-camera with Sam Jones that I recommend to everyone. It's also on Netflix. You can watch, like, the recording of it or you can listen to the podcast version. And his episode with John Krasinski, hope I'm going to send it to you because it's literally – so incredible and he talks about how he started as an actor and how he got this job and he's not a child of nepotism and it's just like it's amazing to see all the work that he's done and I really believe that he has earned it so seeing this and seeing him like transfer from an actor to a writer and director has been really incredible. So I'm in full support of you, John. Thank you so much for all your work. I love you. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. No, I also love Emily Blunt. So like that makes their marriage even better is that I love them both. You know, it, it kind of sucks mm-hmm. when it's like, oh my God, why are they with
1: them? I should be with them, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. Also they like fully have children. So I, I need to chill on that. That's okay. It, it, I'm in the same boat too, though. It's okay.
0: But that's another thing that I love about this is it is a husband and wife in this, which I just love. But you know, we really don't see much of John except for this little beginning. But the beginning is so necessary because we're introduced to this character of Emmett and we meet him at the baseball game. And we didn't know him in the first film, but we're introduced to him. And he is a person within the community that they're sort of family friends with. And From this prequel, then we see once we go into current time, he is one of the only surviving members of this community along with the Abbots, minus their son and John Krasinski's character. But once they reach him in this film, it's it's just very, it was very smart in my opinion to introduce this new character because this was somebody that we hadn't seen in the first one. And honestly seeing him, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, i want the the people I'm used to, the people that I love, the people I came to see again on the screen. But he did an amazing job. And I also cannot imagine joining, I mean, what really is becoming a franchise, almost, joining this project, knowing the immense success that the first one had, and also having that pressure of like, oh my gosh, now he's kind of taking John's place of like the male lead in this. But He did an amazing, amazing job. This is Killian Murphy's character. And I mean, I don't, I didn't recognize him from anything. I know he's, you know, a very accomplished actor, but he did an incredible, incredible job. And another thing that, I was a huge fan about how they navigated this sequel was by making Millicent's character Reagan, which funny thing about this movie, um, I did not know any of these characters' names because they (laughs) don't really talk to each other. So you never really hear people's names, but her name is Reagan. She is the teen daughter who is deaf of the Abbott family. And by making her the main character, it just, placed us as an audience in a different perspective and seeing, you know, obviously she had such an important part in the first one. And that was another thing as I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot that like her hearing aids can fend off the creatures. I completely forgot about that, honestly, but seeing her do that again, I was like, oh, right, right, right. So all these conventions that they had built of this world in the first one, I think they did an amazing job bringing it back. Did you feel like you, you could understand
1: that? I could, definitely. And I also just love the fact that her cochlear implant, which is usually seen as uh, a sign of disability, is like her superpower. I was so fascinated by that. And the fact that that's what kind of saves everyone is her disability is so fantastic and so great, I think, for younger audiences watching it too especially those who identify with Millicent and and with the deaf community I think it's super super cool to be like oh my gosh I could save the planet from aliens which I also didn't realize this was like gonna be an alien movie Mm -hmm. but that's a whole different topic but like because of my cochlear implant like I could save the world that's so cool I loved it
0: I completely agree. I think that it also, if I were, which I am, (laughs) an aspiring actor, but in the deaf community, you don't see as many opportunities. And I think, you know, we love The Sound of Metal, but that is played by Riz Ahmed, who is a hearing actor. And seeing this opportunity be given to an actress who is deaf, And unfortunately there probably isn't as many opportunities to see a deaf character be played by a deaf person, I believe is really, is what should be done within Hollywood. And I just love seeing her in this and I don't believe I've seen her in anything else other than A Quiet Place 1 and 2. But I hope that, especially after the sequel where she is pretty much the lead, I really hope that she gets more opportunities and roles are written for her. And that there's more stories that can be told because I think a lot of people will be like, I don't want to read subtitles. I don't want to do this. But like Bong Joon-ho said, once you overcome the one-inch-tall barrier of subtitles, you'll be introduced to so many more amazing films. And... Honestly, I think where sound is a huge, huge part of this film by placing a character in this world that has limited to no sound available it is genius, honestly. And it also creates a different kind of like intense horror than what I'm used to seeing. Obviously, there's always those moments in a horror film where it's like, don't go into the closet and like people are being quiet and tiptoeing. But this Brings that to such a heightened level. And also to the point where, like, when you are in a movie theater watching this, you don't want anyone around you making noise. Like, there was this one guy behind me in the theater who I swear he had like a million keys on his like hip or something. He had a ton of keychains because he kept getting up and making noise and rattling. And I was like, sir, please, it's so intense. And this was also like the most visceral reaction I have ever had to a film. Like I'm not the type of person to like audibly respond to a film. Like I just kind of sit there, cause, cause that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like people being like, ah, ah. the the whole, <laughs> mo- like the whole movie. I'm like, okay, chill, it's on the screen. It's not coming at you. But this movie, I really, oh my God, I was literally squirming in my seat because there were so many like jump scares. But like, I also love this because they make it realistic in a way. It doesn't seem like this false reality. And I think that's because the acting is honestly so, so... So incredible that it doesn't feel false. It doesn't feel like oh my gosh, there's a ghost coming. Like it feels like this. Obviously, is such a high. I don't even know. Like false. Mm scenario but the way that it is played out is it feels like oh my god this actually could happen like i left the theater and i was like oh my god i need to be quiet oh my god i need to be quiet like i'm being too loud and then i was like i can literally be as loud as i want right now like i'm in the middle of new york city like it literally doesn't matter how loud i am it almost had me a little bit paranoid but i think that's a testament to like John Krasinski's incredible writing and direction and the amazing, amazing performances by Emily Blunt and Killian Murphy. And also we have very young leads, Millicent and Noah Jupe, who did an incredible job in the first one and did an incredible job in the second one as well. We see Noah Jupe's character taking care of his younger sibling and it's heartbreaking and they're fighting for oxygen. And I mean, both of them are incredible. I was a fan of Noah Jupe since the first one. And then watching him in The Undoing, this child is incredible. He is incredible. And I can't wait to see what he does next, honestly.
1: Yes, I completely agree that this film would be nothing without this team. I think everyone on it is key to its success. And I think that also comes from the leadership of John Krasinski because... What a man, you know? But yeah, I I agree with that sense of having taken this film with you outside of the theater. I don't don't know how to phrase that exactly, but it definitely gets into your head to the point where it really feels more like a psychological thriller rather than like a horror movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It is scary. I was like, jump, jump scary. Um, But I'm also like, again not a horror person. So it was interesting to have that sense of fear, I guess, carry into the real world and have that world of the film feel so real that it could happen outside of the movie theater too. But again, I think that's because the characters are very relatable and it just works in a very strange and unexpected way. And even though I didn't see the first one, I felt like I could still get a pretty good handle on everything that was going on. Like I didn't feel completely left out like you would for most sequels.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite parts of this is that we are following a family and I think – for a lot of people, they can relate to anyone within it. You can relate to Emily Blunt's character of being a mother and trying to take care of her children. You can relate with Millicent's character, Reagan. Regan, I'm not sure, <laughs> either one. But you can relate to their characters because they're each a different Part of a family you could relate to the the young daughter who is trying to help her family or the mother who's trying to help her children or in the first one relate to john who's trying to be that father figure and be strong for his family but he is also in the unknown and doesn't know what's going to happen. So I think that unlike a lot of horror films where I think they follow like a group of friends or something and you know, it's like, ooh, like you're following the cool girl and you're following the jock and then you're following the nerd and like you're mm-hmm. following the the third wheel rather than being like more conventional like that. And I'm not saying like a family is unconventional to be following, but I think that it places you within a very vulnerable position as a viewer, and I loved that so so much. And the film, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to give too much away. Hopefully, you've seen it if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, the film doesn't give us so many answers. We don't, we still don't know really how this happened. It, it doesn't wrap everything up perfectly. We leave still not knowing exactly how this happened or why it happened. We know how it started, and I think that's very true to how the characters feel. I doubt that they have really been able to figure out how this started other than it did. You know, I don't think that they've been able to, you know research this. You know, they're worrying about their lives here. They're not worrying so much about what exactly happened unless there's, you know, hopefully still some scientists alive or something. But we find how people have been able to cope with this. You know, we, we meet people who through the radio station, they hear this song Beyond the Sea. And through that, Regan slash Regan, not sure which again, uh, she hears this on loop. And she's like, I think that there's people that are you know, on an island. And there are. And then we find out that through the boat, the creature has taken his way to the island. And these people who believe that they were safe there because the creatures cannot make it through water, they end up dying as well. So it's just very, very interesting how we start learning, okay, so the creatures, we don't know how they got here, but... They cannot last on water. They're very sensitive to this sound. And I mean, as far as we know, once they're shot, it seems like they're dead. (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, that scares me every time. I'm like, please just shoot it. I know. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. (laughs) Please just shoot it. And there were so many moments where I also like, I care about these characters so much. And that's, again, another testament to the incredible writing and acting because they're They're in such a vulnerable place. And as far as I know, like they seem like really nice people and like people that everyone can relate to. And they're in this small town that actually fun fact, this was not shot in the same town that the first one was in. They recreated it. So I thought that was very, very interesting. And it's, Just a story that, even though it's so heightened, I think everyone, as far as I know, I honestly don't know anyone that doesn't, like, really enjoy these movies. And they've created a world that, even though we don't know everything, we still feel connected to And we want to know more. At least I do as an audience member. I want to know like every detail. Like I would read a book on this. And I don't even know if like, I'm sure that there were conventions about the creatures and how this whole new world works that they came up with while writing the sequel. And it's just so fascinating. I cannot wait to see where a third one goes, what else we find out, because this is a concept that... I think is very unique and, I mean, it's similar to Stranger Things in that way. Like the Demogorgon, Demi-Dog under <laughs> upside down world. Like, I don't even know, but it's very similar to that where I feel like the story could go on forever and it has very lovable characters and we want to know more. It's not these mm-hmm. ghosts, it's not witches, it's not a creature that's been overdone. And I think that's what keeps the audience interested and keeps us coming back for more is that it's not like a haunted doll. It's not like Chucky. It's not, is The Conjuring even a haunted doll? I don't even know. But like, it's not a convention that we've really seen. It's a new creature. It's something that we're still yet discovering. And I I honestly would be interested usually i do not like listening to the film bros but i'd be interested to hear a few opinions on like what people think about other concepts and kind of the world that john krasinski has created i mean i i keep saying it but i cannot wait to see the third i hope that they start working on it like immediately because i honestly needed to see it like yesterday so john If you're listening, please come out with it really, really soon because I'm so excited to see it. And that one, I don't think I'm going to catch A Quiet Place Part 2 in 4DX. If you've listened to our last episode, you know that I was hoping to see that. But I don't think I'll be able to. But Part 3, I promise I'll see it in 4DX. I'm going to see it in regular theaters. I'm going to see it in Dolby Cinema. I'm going to see it in IMAX. I will be there for it all. And I'm very excited. And on that note, that's a
1: wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at The Cinema Chicks and on TikTok at Cinema Chicks. And if you want to be
0: friends, you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Daisy Rancourt and on Letterboxd at
1: Madeline Daisy. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Hope Johansson and on Letterboxd at H. Joha. And
0: before we end, we'd like to thank today's sponsors lovable characters. That one scene at the end with the amazing red light coming from the on air. I want to rewatch that over and over again, because that was like one of the most cinematic moments I've ever seen. And then it ended on that note. And I was like, oh my gosh, where do I go from here?
1: And John Krasinski, because John Krasinski. Thanks for listening.
0: So glad we had that
1: talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.